Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hey, Wiley G., how are you? You know, <laughs> it could be a better day. It could be a worse day. I'm still, we're still kicking. We're still alive. We're still here. So got to be grateful for that. Um, obviously, you know, I'm bummed because Duke lost to Virginia last night and they shouldn't have lost. They were favored by 12 points, <laughs> but they lost anyway in Cameron, which kudos to Virginia because that is really hard to do. So I'm not yeah. in the best mood, but I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move on because we did beat North Carolina by 20 on Saturday. So I'm just going to move on and I'm, I'm going to try and have the save be better than it was yesterday. I feel you felt like a letdown game. It felt like everything was, you know, going into that, like blowing out North Carolina. And then they, they didn't have a whole lot left for them. Virginia uh, GA. As you know, it is Super Bowl week here in Los Angeles. It is Super Bowl Tuesday. The Cincinnati Bengals have just arrived in Los Angeles, their plane has landed. Kudos to them for coming in on a Tuesday. I, I think there was a feeling um, that that you know because of the pandemic and things like that, that they were going to come in a little bit later. Uh, it does feel, Jihei, that this is sort of the the like golf ramp of the pandemic, and I, I don't want to make it um, a show about the pandemic. But walking around Los Angeles, walking around the media center and Radio Row. It's packed again, you know, and and I mentioned that we were here a year ago. We were at the media center a year ago in Tampa. It was depressing. It was a ghost town. I mean, there was nobody there. There was no excitement, no parties, no events, you know, only like less than 25,000 people were allowed to be at the game. You still had the cardboard cutouts, things like that. You know, a year Later, and obviously a two two years since the beginning of the pandemic, um, it just feels like this is uh, a, you know the first step towards things coming back to being normal. And then we get word um, that California will uh, end the indoor mask mandate next week. Again, it's county by county. Los Angeles County apparently is not going to follow suit, but again, that's only a matter of time. Do you? I, I just get the sense, G, just walking around town, and that this is sort of the, the first step. And again, we've been doing this for two years, and we've talked, and you were the first one to say at the beginning of this is like we're going to have to deal with this until twenty twenty two. But you know, thankfully, with the Super Bowl here, and again, remember a month ago, remember a month ago that there, there was talk of perhaps moving this game out of. Los Angeles and moving it to Texas or Florida or someone like that. And, and it, where we are now, a month later, in terms of really, thankfully, you know, things beginning to feel kind of normal. It, it's it, it's great, G. So, like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but walking around Los Angeles, the media center, talking to the media, this is it, it, it feels normal. And I didn't think that it would. Well, I haven't gone to Media Row yet, so for me, I haven't seen that kind of action and it coming back to normal. But I do remember uh, last year, last Super Bowl, looking at your social media and looking at, you know, how empty Media Row was and how empty. I, I mean, Tampa was not empty, obviously. No, yeah, but um, 
media rows empty um, and there wasn't a lot of booths available in, um, in the area or anything like that. And then on top of it, you know, being back in LA during that time, uh, it's gotten a lot. We've, we've come a long way, right? We've come, we've come yeah. a long way. So yeah, I definitely, I mean, there's just, and we said this before, there's just, and everybody's saying this, there's just too much money to leave on the table. Um, LA was going to make it happen, right? The uh, SoFi yeah. was going to make it happen to have the Super Bowl at um, in LA. But yeah, no, I mean, I think people are attempting right now to be like, we got to live with the pandemic. Like you said, um, I think maybe a few months ago, like uh, prior to the new year, you're like, we just got to learn to live with this. We have to learn to move on and move forward. So that is what Los Angeles is trying to do, especially with um, as of the 15th, uh, trying to move on with the pandemic, but I will say this: there are, I believe that there, um, the the mask mandate is going to be lifted, um, but it's going to be uh, there's going to be certain conditions, correct? I know, yeah, because it's like county by county. So, like, there are certain counties that are like, yes, we are dropping this thing. Quite frankly, wink, wink, like we really never followed suit. But uh, Los Angeles County apparently is not going to do that. So the state of California is saying we are dropping the indoor mask mandate, I think. And then so now it's a county by county decision. Some counties are doing it with the, you know, you know what's the, you know, how many people are testing positive and things like that. But I, I, I guess the, the, the good thing from the Los Angeles standpoint, California standpoint is that it, it's beginning to feel normal. And again, it, it, this will be a gradual thing. It's not going to happen with the flip of a switch, but I just, you know, when you think about where we were a month ago, where there was talk of perhaps moving this rule. Now, I don't think that that was a realistic discussion. I do think there was contingent contingency plans in place with the like Omicron variant and where we were and if things continue. But literally right after that conversation uh, was made public, we kind of hit the peak. It's come down and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, Things get back to normal, and I and I think it, it is amazing that it has been two years because I'll never forget being in Miami for the Super Bowl was when I first began to read about coronavirus and you know what this was and the first case was found you know wherever Seattle and then like the first case in Los Angeles the first case you know and, and it was a pretty small thing at that point and it wasn't obviously until March where it really blew up but. Yeah, the, the the good thing is this is a moment where we can kind of celebrate things again. And again, walking around the media center, and you'll be here tomorrow, is that there's people that you see that you haven't seen in two years. There's so many people who have not, you know, gone out to events, covered events, done things like this. I mean, this is such a, a great moment to kind of see people again and, you know, how have you been, what's going on? So, you know. A lot has changed, obviously, in uh, two years, but it's good to walk around Los Angeles. It's good to have these events again. So you are obviously always the positive person, and I'm the negative <laughs> Nancy Downer person. I'm just concerned about um, this. The, everything has kind of lessened and slowed down, right? And cases have gone down. Um, I'm just concerned that you know you have a seventy thousand arena uh, person arena 
And you have definitely more than 70,000 people coming out here to watch the Super Bowl and see the Super Bowl and, you know, enjoy themselves in in 75 plus degree weather, you know, um, so that I mean, uh, and hopefully that'll definitely be uh, helpful. But I'm just concerned that there will be a spike and then that's going to change. You don't do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I think the key to this when you talk about finding a way to to have things return back to normal is living with the virus. So it it I think we we have to get past like, you know, um you know, if 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 enough people are vaccinated or who have had it, you know, how do you live with the virus? And and so I think if there's a spike um do we shut things down? Do we you know implement a new mandate things like that? I think two two years past the beginning of the pandemic, you have to learn to live with it. And, and so I, you know, we'll, we'll see again, hopefully there's not a spike. Hopefully like everyone comes out to, to Los Angeles, has a good time, goes back home and they talk about, man, that was a fun weekend, fun week, whatnot. Hope, you know, again, the hope is that we get to host this thing again in a few years. Uh, there's talk of the Super Bowl coming back here as early as 2027. Again, being in that rotation, you know, because for years and years and years, you know, it was that Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles slash Pasadena rotation. And then Los Angeles obviously lost their team. They weren't a part of that rotation. So for the first time in 30 years, Los Angeles will get to host the Super Bowl. And it's a fun time. It's a fun time to walk around Los Angeles, be a part of the Super Bowl experience here. And it's really big, by the way, to have like the Rams play in this game. You know, talking to a, cu- a couple of people yesterday about that, it was, you know, I think this would have been a fun weekend regardless, but it, it just has a bigger feel that the Rams are in this game. It just feels different. I, you know, listen, if it was San Francisco versus Cincinnati, I think people would be excited. Obviously, you'd have a ton of San Francisco fans here. But the fact that it is the hometown team, it's big for the Rams. This is a big moment for the Rams where, um, like, there's, like, lines out the door to get, like, Rams gear now. And people are trying to figure out, you know, how, like, how do I get my jersey with the Susuru patch on it? And, like, people are beginning to embrace this team and be proud of this team. And before people talk about like, oh, you hopped on the bandwagon, like they've literally been here for six years. So I don't know what the grace period is, but there is a grace period when a team has been here for six years, like feel free to hop on that bandwagon because they haven't been here for that long. And there is a different feeling than when they were in the Super Bowl in Atlanta against the Patriots. I don't know why it, it was, but it, 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 there wasn't that this Rams hysteria a couple of years ago. Like maybe because the game was in Georgia, maybe because they had only been back for a few years. But this is a different feeling. Like the the sense I get walking around town. And gee, I I stopped by your place of work. There was you know towels for the Rams, signs for the Rams. Like I think people are embracing this team and saying, "Hey, this is Los Angeles's team." Los Angeles's team is in the Super Bowl for the second time in whatever three years or so. Um, they're one win away from winning the city's first Super Bowl in forty years. Let's be proud of this team. Yeah, I think it also has to do with the fact that the Rams finally have a home in SoFi. 
right? That's a you great point. You said that this yeah. is very significant that they're playing at SoFi. They're playing at home. They're um, it's the Rams that are playing at SoFi for the Super Bowl. SoFi's their home. That's their home. That is what they worked so hard for for the past six years to be here. Right? They worked yeah. really hard for six years to be in LA. They were at the Coliseum. That's not their home. They, no. you know, they they had their training facilities and stuff like that. That's like SoFi is their home. So they finally yeah. have a home in SoFi, and I think, you know, having something like that, like it's like when the Clippers will be getting, you know, their own arena. Like it's going to yeah. be the same kind of feeling where we have a home, we are established. This is it. And, you know, the Rams finally have that. And I think now, like, with that stadium, fans can finally be like, you know what, they're here to stay because why build a new stadium and then leave after a year? You know what I mean? So I think having that new stadium, having SoFi, it helps tremendously. Uh, And what – how are we so blessed that there's two home team Super Bowls in a row? I know <laughs> I, that's ridiculous right now, right? You got- I think I I think we're the good luck charm because we've been covering <laughs> the Super Bowl for only two years. Uh, the one in Tampa was the first time that we got to go there, and it was the hometown team. And uh, so, um, so next year is Phoenix. By the way, the Cardinals are a good team. So I mean, there's like there's a chance the Cardinals could be playing in their home stadium next year, but. It is crazy, right, GA? But it does have a different feel. When the hometown team is playing there, and again, there was less than 25,000 fans at the Super Bowl last year in Tampa. But you went out after the game, and I was a little bit more like, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go back to the hotel. You went out. Like, what was Tampa like? So you went out right after the Tampa Bay Bucks won. Um Like, it was nuts. Like, like yes, we're, we're, we were at the height of the pandemic at that point. But you you would not know walking around Tampa that night. Oh my gosh, no, Florida d- doesn't care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Florida doesn't care. But um, yeah, no, it was. It, I mean, it was pure euphoria for those fans, right? I mean, we you you were there with me during the Super Bowl, watching the Super Bowl with literally one Kansas City Chief fan, and the rest were all Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> right. fans. So they um going out with um all my friends and being able to celebrate with them. That, that was amazing for them, right? Because that's their team. Yeah. That's their boy. They were just so ecstatic and so exciting. Um, nothing was put on fire or anything like that. They just went out and celebrated. They like just had a great time. Um, we had had a lot of fun uh, in Ybor City. <laughs> Probably a little too much fun. I, th- I think I was hurting definitely the next day, which, I again, kudos to Cincinnati, win or lose, at least uh, those kids will have the day off the <laughs> next right. day. Um, and some people uh, will also have the day off the next day so they can lick their wounds or they can celebrate in style. So, uh, yeah, I... I, I was very grateful that, like, you know, we didn't have to do the show until later <laughs> um, just because I I definitely was – I'm not going to lie. I definitely was hurting the next day. But, um, yeah, no, they just – you know, you have a great time. You have – you were able to go out and celebrate with people that were, were rooting for Tampa, um, rooting for the home team. It was definitely a different feel because it was the home team. So it was – very euphoric for for a lot of those people. I think that they were just all on like just this natural high of oh my gosh, my team just won the Super Bowl, and oh my gosh, my this team um, won it at home, right? I mean, it just yeah. there couldn't be any other better feeling. And I think that um, you know when the I'm gonna say when the Rams win the Super Bowl, um, there you go, yeah, because I'm gonna put out that uh, a rush positivity <laughs> out there. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> yeah, when the Rams win the Super Bowl. I really hope that, you know, L.A. celebrates the way that Tampa did.
Well, you know, the, and we we touched on this before, but like if the Rams win, the difference will be, you know, I know the Lakers won in 2020 and the Dodgers won in 2020. Uh, that, that was, again, height of the pandemic. There was no championship rate. People did hit the streets. The police tried to curtail that. If the Rams win on Sunday, and I talked about the pandemic, essentially, we're at the off-ramp. Again, you can have 70,000 people at a game now. You can have uh, you know, the Super Bowl media center pack, things like that. If the Rams win on Sunday, we will have a championship parade in Los Angeles. And I think that is the moment when Los Angeles will fully wrap their arms around the Rams and say, welcome home. We loved you. We miss you. And even if we don't miss you, because it's it's a kid who doesn't re- remember that. There's so many kids that I see around town now wearing Rams gear, whether it's Aaron Donald or Jalen Rams, you're Matthew Stafford or whatnot. That's the generation that they're trying to capture because that's the generation that they lost. Again, if you're under 40 years old, if you're younger than 40, you did not grow up a Los Angeles Rams fan. Why? Because the Los Angeles Rams did not exist. They were the St. Louis Rams. And so that fan base that they lost in Los Angeles, they did not grow up St. Louis Cardinals fans or St. Louis Blues fans or St. Louis Rams fans. That's just the way it is. And, and by the way, so they, they picked other teams. You know, maybe they weren't even a pro football fan. Maybe they were just a college football fan. So they were a USC fan or a US, UCLA fan. And by the way, we were so lucky in Los Angeles. You didn't really have to like all sports. You had the Lakers won multiple championships. The Kings won multiple championships. The Dodgers were usually good. So there were there were sports for these kids to like. And now these kids are grown-ups. Now these kids, you know, you, 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 you're gone from a, a, a city for 21 years. How do you get that next generation? And it's always that moment. Like you ask certain fans, you know, how did you become a Dodgers fan? Well, it was Kirk Gibson's, you know, walk-off home run. It was, or, it was um, Hershiser, or it was, you know, the Showtime Lakers with Kareem and Magic and things like that. For this generation, it will be this team, and maybe they kind of remember the team from a couple of years ago. But this is a, this is a totally different team. You know, for the most part, this is a different team. Um, so when when people ask this new young generation how did you become a Rams fan well because it was Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and you know it, it was it was Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. and my dad got me a jersey and then the, like the Rams won the Super Bowl and then I went to the the parade the parade is where you can really get all of the city behind you because we've talked about this the ticket prices are ridiculous and there's nothing that they can do about it it is what it is but so to see them a couple of Sundays ago win the conference championship that would have cost you close to a thousand dollars, and then now if you want to go to the Super Bowl, that'll cost you more than five thousand dollars. I mean, there's just not a lot of fans out there who can afford something like that. So the beauty is you can enjoy the game at home with your family, with your friends. But if they win, Jihei, and have that parade, that's when you just get that new fan base that'll never forget that moment, never forget being a part of that, I think. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, I have I have a very small amount of friends, but I have friends that, you know, have been fans of the Rams since the Dickerson era. And yeah. it's because of something like you said, my dad got me a jersey and I became a fan. My dad took me to a game um, and I saw, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, 
go wide and and make a phenomenal catch. And I I've been a fan ever since. You know, um, for for me it was you know Brent Barry winning the dunk contest that turned me over to being a Clipper fan. Yeah. You know, I mean cer- certain things like that that just stand out in a child's mind that they're like, I'm going to be a fan for life after that. So, you know, all that loyalty and, um, and such. So I, I think that this is obviously, this is going to be a huge turning point for fans, um, young and maybe even older to, to change because they'll have a common bond with their kid. They'll have a common bond with their family. And this might be the, uh, the tipping point for that. Yeah, I mean, this is just such a big game for the Rams, not just because it's the Super Bowl, but for the significance of winning back Los Angeles, being a part of that hierarchy of Los Angeles, one of the beloved teams in this town, the Lakers, the the Dodgers. If the Rams want to join that group, they have to win on Sunday. Okay, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we are going to hear from Rams coach Sean McVay. Super Bowl opening night was last night. It was virtual, but hey, we got to hear from Sean McVay, uh, wanted to get his thoughts on the game. So when we come back, we will hear from Sean McVay right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And now a word from our newest sponsor, NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Do it now. And now... Let's go back to the show. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Super Bowl opening night was last night. Normally, that's like a media day event where you have, you know, all the players and all the coaches are there and fans can buy tickets. And that's normally when you get like those crazy people in costumes asking questions. We don't have that this year. We're still kind of in the pandemic. And so it was a virtual event. We did hear from the players and the coaches. I do want to play for you now. Rams coach Sean McVay, who, you know, really touched on the game, being in his second Super Bowl going up against Cincinnati, playing this game at SoFi. So without further ado, let's now hear from Los Angeles Rams coach Sean McVay. There was a lot of excitement when Cam Akers came back in time for the playoffs. What have you seen of him and the whole running game, I guess, in the last few games? And, and what are the possibilities for him? And again, you know, the whole running game on Sunday. Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, it's an incredible uh, tribute to Cam and his ability to be able to Tears Achilles just before we're starting training camp to come back, to be available. He's one of those guys that uh, just brings a spark to this team. He's got great ability. I think his upside is phenomenal, and he's going to be a, you know, a core piece of our team for years to come. But you know, just watching his work ethic and then to be able to get a player that has the explosiveness, the elusiveness, the strength to break tackles, 
Um, one of my favorite things about him, Kevin, was if there's anybody that I knew was going to respond the right way after a couple times putting the ball on the ground against the Bucks, it was Cam. And I thought he came back. You can see he ran hard. He did a great job with ball security through some of those tight traffic areas. And, um, you know, he's going to be a big part of this game. And, and hopefully we'll be able to establish the run game. And when the ball's in his hands, good things happen. And uh, if not, he does a great job competing without it. But I think Sony's been outstanding. You know, when Daryl's been healthy, you know, really Thomas Brown has done a great job with that running back room as a whole and to, to have the amount of kind of just uh, you know back and forth with guys being available guys missing some time you know being able to get Sony ready in a short amount of time with the contributions that he's made coming here later on when we did trade for him I think is a real credit to that room and, and Thomas Brown leading the way but is Cam still kind of uh, you know getting to the point of hitting his stride could he be coming up to the game that you you brought him back to, to have yeah, I think so. I think he's done a lot of good things too, Kevin. I, I think he's made big time contributions. I thought he was excellent against the Cardinals in the wild card game. Um, definitely made some good plays against the Bucks. I thought he made some tough, hard earned yards against the 49ers. And then, you know, definitely, uh, you know, want to see if we can get him going uh, on Sunday. Great. Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, Sean. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing, Jordan? Doing well. Um, I wish I had a more exciting question to ask you as the, you open off uh, Super Bowl week here, but I wanted to check in on your, your injuries here, specifically Tyler Higby, how you guys open the week with him and, and Joe Noteboom and um, whether those guys have a chance for Sunday. Yeah, we're just taking it a day at a time with those guys. They're doing everything in their power to be available, um, and I'll probably be able to you know give you a better answer as we get closer to the game, but there's no change on those guys' status. Is Tyler going to be able to practice at all in the coming days, do you think? I don't think so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, he's he's been such a, a big part of this team, and he's one of those glue guys on this team, Jordan, and, and I know he's going to do everything in his power, but, but if not, um, you know, he's led that room. He and Wes Phillips have led that room so well, and, and those other guys will be ready to step up, but, but we'll take it a day at a time with Tyler. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Good. How you doing, Greg? Really good. When you joined the Rams, Aaron Donald was already one of the best defensive players in the NFL, but in the last five years, he's kept that position. But from our perspective, it also seems like he's gotten old enough and veteran enough now that his teammates rally around him and want to win for him in a way they didn't talk about as much when you first got here and he was 25 or 26. Do you have that same sense? And, and can you tell, me, tell, how, tell us how that feels from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think, um, number one, you're exactly right. He had already asserted and established himself as one of the best players in this league five years ago when I first got here. And I think consistency is the truest measurement of performance, like you've heard us say over and over, Greg. And all he's done is just get better, and he's consistently produced. And I think when you know people are keying in on you, they're going to have game plans, and you still find ways to produce, that's greatness. Um, the way that he goes about building his teammates up, bringing them with him, that's the greatness in Aaron Donald. And when you have something bigger than yourself to play for and motivation that drives you, what a powerful thing that is. And I know a lot of that's what I think is great about this team. But guys like Aaron Donald are why you want to be able to do this. It's why um, I want to try to work as hard as I can within the framework of my role, because you want to see Aaron, you want to see the Whitworths, the Weddles, the Staffords, the Jalen Ramsey, you want to see all these guys that are so great for our team, um, you know, be able to achieve uh, that success and, and be able to finish this deal. But I think it's just because of the consistency, the way he goes about it, and you can't help but love this guy. I feel so grateful to work with him, Greg, and there is no question about it that uh, when you talk about having a real purpose for others, um, Aaron, you know, his teammates have a purpose wanting to try to win for him, and I think his coaches feel that same way, and that's one of the things that makes this team so special. 
Hey, Sean, just wanted to check in on Sebastian Joseph Day, Daryl Henderson Jr., and Robert Rochelle. Is there a chance they go this week? What does their status look like right now? Yeah, all those guys are expecting to practice, and um, and there is a good chance that those guys will be ready to go for the game. Um, you know, Rochelle will just keep taking it a day at a time, but but with uh, with Bash and both uh, Daryl, it is looking uh, optimistic. Hey, Sean, um, because it's a normal, uh, excuse me, a I guess in a normal bye week when you would have two weeks to prepare for a game, guys would be off a little bit. Can you kind of just summarize the similarities and the differences uh, putting in a game plan and, and where you are today, Monday? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, first and foremost, I think the, the benefit of being able to stay at home is that you really do have the two weeks of preparation, but, you know, we kind of got three extra or four extra days last week where got guys' bodies turned over, got them refreshed, rejuvenated with this being our 21st game that we'll be playing on Sunday. So we did get a jump on the preparation, got a, got a lot of good stuff in, um, and then really we'll kind of hit a couple of the things situationally. You've gotten, if you were to put a percentage on it, probably 80% of the game plan in, and then Wednesday will represent kind of the finality, and then we'll just put some final touches on it. Uh, the rest of the way and so I think that's important to be able to give these guys clarity let them go play with a quieted mind and then uh, be able to adjust and adapt accordingly but but that's kind of the approach that we've taken Um, the last time and I've talked about this before the last time when we had played New England we tried to say let's get everything in knowing that once you get to Atlanta there's going to be a lot of different distractions and things like that but I kept kind of tinkering and tweaking and I think uh, you know that wasn't the right approach and uh, trusting these players, trusting the preparation that we have, and then being able to uh, kind of put the final touches on it, I think will be the best way for, for our guys to go play the best of their ability. And, and if that happens, I think good things will happen for the Rams. Sean, you have watched your offense adapt, play very clean, and overcome adversity. Do you feel that your offense, led by Matthew Stafford, is at its best right now? What is your coaching philosophy with this offense right now? Yeah, I think you just said it perfectly. You know, you got to be able to adjust and adapt, but when you put it in your leader's hands, uh, good things happen. I think Matthew's played his best ball as of late in those biggest moments. I think guys are playing well around him, and I love the way that we've responded from some adversity, whether it was some of the turnovers that I think uh, we feel good about being able to clean up against the Bucks, um, being able to come from 10 behind against a really tough 49ers outfit in the NFC Championship, or really kind of being able to go wire to wire against the Cardinals. I think we've seen us, um, you know, seen our offense play really well in each of those three games at different moments and play great in the moments that they had to play great. And so Matthew has led the way. I've uh, been really pleased with the way that our offensive line has played. Our skill guys are coming to life and uh, do feel good about, uh, you know, the confidence that those guys have going into this game, knowing what a great challenge that the Bengals defense presents with great players, personnel, and scheme. How did you spend? Sunday. I mean, were you able to take some time? And if I'm not mistaken, the last time you guys were in the Super Bowl, it seems like you either lost your voice or on the verge of doing that from having to doing all the media and everything else. And I'm just curious how you're going to manage that this week with all the media and, and in preparation as well. I'm not worried about losing my voice talking to you guys. It's, uh, it, you know, usually it's usually I'm losing my voice for different reasons, but uh it's uh, it's an exciting thing. You know, the main reason I've lost my voice is having to yell over that tent with the wind going in the background when I'm trying to talk to our team. But fortunately, we're back in our building. But um, you know, that's the least of my concerns. Our guys have done a great job. Um, you know, I don't remember losing my voice. I feel like my voice is always kind of permanently raspy now. But uh, hey, these are it's a blessing to be able to be in this position with these guys that you care and love so much. These players, these coaches. 
And uh, we're going to really take this in, enjoy the opportunity that these guys have earned. Uh, but we're going to do everything in our power to finish this off the right way. And I think uh, our guys have that right approach. They understand what a great challenge it is. Um, but we're going to just be in the moment and take it a day at a time. And if that means I lost my voice, then so be it. And do you feel, um, I don't know, more relaxed, more prepared, being able to do this from your home base as opposed to, you know, you've talked about getting on a plane and, and going and settling in a hotel and whatnot? Yeah, you know, I think whatever the circumstances are, our guys have handled really seamlessly, Gary. I, if you said, is it more convenient to not have to do that? No question. Is it more convenient to be in our own facilities, it is. Um, you know, that being said, I would imagine that for us on Thursday, if the winds look like they are, then we will probably go to the Rose Bowl to practice, which will be great. So we'll be able to get our work in. So um, that is uh, that is not in the least bit of inconvenience for us, but being able to get ahead so that we can get that work in, that's something that we'll probably do. Wednesday will be, be a little bit more above the neck, and it seems like the winds are going to be in good shape on Friday here. So um, you know, feel fortunate. I don't know if you say more relaxed, more experienced is always helpful. Um, but I also think, you know, one of the things that I told myself, you know, the last time is you realize what a blessing it is to be in these positions. Make sure you enjoy it. You know, you, you always talk about have enjoying the journey, being appreciative of the opportunities that these players and coaches have earned and, and really our organization. And, and it's a great opportunity to, to really take it in, but also make sure that we've got laser focus on the task at hand. And I think our team has done a great job of being able to balance having the urgency, but, but being able to enjoy, you know, coming to work every single day with an intentional focus and concentration about getting better and trying to go win a football game. Sure. Hey, Sean, just two quick parts. Uh, but first off, we'll get back to Daryl Henderson. Uh, if he comes back, how do you fit him into your rotation with the way that Sony and Cam have, have really played so well as tandem? That's a good question. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of it is kind of, all right, what are the final ways that, that we want to be able to utilize different personnels and, and pairings? Um, if you've got three backs that we know are all more than capable of contributing, want to make sure that we're utilizing them in the right ways, um, you know, whether that be situationally or on some early downs. Thank you, Artis. Um, so, you know, we're kind of working through that right now, Steve, um, but, but those are good things for us. We've kind of talked about the initial parts of it, and then I think we'll have real good clarity, um, you know, as we get into the latter part of the week. Okay, and a real quick follow-up, too. You know the, the safety tandem the Bengals have that are really good. I mean, you've seen good ones especially like Arizona with guys like Buda Baker and guys like that. How do you put stress, which you guys do you stress those guys to maybe, um, you know, get a little bit out of their integrity and principles a little bit? Well, there's different things that we try to do. I think what you respect so much about Vaughn and Bates is, is they do such a great job communicating. They see things as one. You can see their, their concept trigger and recognition is outstanding. Um, they make plays on the ball. They're both great space tacklers. They can both be utilized if they want to send them forward. But but you can just see the command, the communication. And really, you know, those guys are instrumental to the communication. Hilton is another one. You know, I've been really impressed with Awuzier and, and, you know, Eli Apple's playing good ball. I think just really as a whole, you know, they all three levels of their defense does an outstanding job. But you can see so much of that communication comes from Von Bell and Bates. And um, I've been really impressed with their ability to play off of one another. But then also uh, Coach Lou's job of, of being able to put that them in spots that really accentuate their skill sets and and that's why they're in this game it's going to be a great challenge but um you know like anything else being able to kind of create that conflict and and stay on schedule will be key for us to to be efficient in this game offensively 
Hi, Sean. Uh, this is Daniel Yafushi with the Miami Herald. I wanted to ask uh, two questions on some coaches you have familiarity with. Uh, first is, what does Chris Shula bring to your coaching staff? Uh, and the second is, uh, just what are your thoughts on Mike McDaniel getting the head coaching job in Miami and what he can bring to that organization? Sure. So starting with Chris, um, you know, Chris and I played college ball together, um, but he, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but his passion for the game, his capacity, his ability to lead and communicate with players and help them reach their highest potential. He is a phenomenal coach. Uh, he truly sees the game through an all 22 perspective, knowing the defense, but also the offensive side of the ball. How are teams trying to really attack the different coverage contours, front structures in the run game? And um, I've just been uh, you know, so grateful to be able to work side by side with Chris since we got here. I lean heavily on him. Um, and he's just, he's a really great coach. He's been an instrumental part of our defensive success with Raheem Morris and so many other great coaches we have on the defensive side of the ball. I think with what we've seen from uh, the inside linebackers is a great reflection of him and also those guys delivering. And certainly, uh, you know, is uh, in a long line of great Shula coaches, uh, another one that uh, we can add to the list. Um, and really, you know, it's a special family. As far as Mike McDaniel, um, really a lot of the same things. Great communicator, incredibly smart, uh, very creative, innovative thought process, you know, as it relates to really both the run game and the pass game. You know, he gets a lot of credit for being involved in the run game. But when we work together in Washington, another guy that really sees the game through the totality of all 22. It's not just what are the offensive guys doing, but what are the roles, the responsibilities of defense? Uh, how can we try to utilize some of the things that they're being coached to do to take advantage of that and try to manipulate their rules and and the things and and, and some of their uh, you know put them in conflict with their with their eyes. And so Mike will do a great job. I think he'll surround himself with a great coaching staff. But I, I just think the world of Mike McDaniel. Um, you know, and uh, selfishly, I'm not sad to see him leave our division either. Hi, Sean. I was went back and looked at the tape of uh, the Titans Bengals game and then the Bengals Chiefs game. The the halftime adjustments that they made, whether it was Zach or Lou, uh, defensively to I guess rush less, blitz less, put more guys in the secondary, let them kind of play more of a coverage, and then still get pressure with just a three or four man front. Uh, if if you guys do get off to a big lead, um, knowing I guess what the Chiefs did late in the game, there not not taking the three points and going for it, and how the, that switch the momentum and change the momentum. If you're in a similar situation, what would you do and, and how, if they do make adjustments that seem to be working in the second half, would you try to adjust back in the moment? Yeah, well, in a lot of instances, Michael, I think, you know, you saw a lot of similar principles. I think they executed a little bit better and then there were certain things that elicited the responses that they had defensively with what uh, Kansas City or Tennessee was presenting. And so, you know, for us, it's making sure that, you know, whatever we're doing, we're being efficient and we're playing clean ball. And if we are fortunate enough to get a lead, all right, well, how did we get there and how did we get to that point and what's the best way to still stay smart but aggressive? You know, we've talked about this with some of the different things and decisions that, uh, you know, I know I could have been better for our team in previous weeks, but uh, each game is its own entity. I think you have to be in the moment. You have to, you know, recognize what are the types of things that they're trying to do defensively to stop us. Um, and making sure that we have some counters and answers. And I think like I've like you've heard me talk about, you know, the, the really good offenses um, have the ability to do either or at a high level to keep the defense honest. And, and um, you know, and that's what we'll try to do. That's why they're in this game. They've done a great job against two really good football teams of, of being able to slow them down. And I think it's a real credit to Lou for being able to make some of those second half adjustments, but also the player's ability to be able to digest it, understand the intent of what they're trying to get done and then go execute uh, in the most critical situations which they've done and, and which was a big part of why they were able to win those two games. 
Hi, Sean. Um, Kevin Demoff sort of talked recently about how far a Super Bowl win for this franchise could go in cultivating and bolstering the fan base in the LA market. And for you as a coach, um, I'd imagine that's not something that you'd want to burden your players with thinking about, but have you heard them talking about that? Or, you know, is that something that you think about and are cognizant of? Well, I think, um, you know, I would say this, I think it's a a great opportunity for us to be able to deliver, uh, you know, for our players to be able to deliver a championship, you know, to this great city of LA and, being back here, you know, this is my fifth year and the sixth year that the Rams are back here. I think it's amazing, um, you know, the brand that's been built up because of the success that our players have had on the field because of such a great owner like Mr. Kroenke. You look at the stadium and all the great things that come with it. Um, you know, what's motivating for me is certainly that's one of those things, but it's also, you know, these players, um, you know, these coaches wanting to see these guys, uh, you know, get a chance to go compete for a world championship, people that you care and you love so much. Um, that's the purpose. And, uh, and, and if those things come with it, that's great. But I think one of the things that's been great about this team, these guys play for one another. They play for one another. And that's a real, uh, that's a real strength of this team. And that's a powerful thing when it's uh, trending in the right direction, when you have a lot of guys that uh, are about the team, um, and they also want to, uh, you know, play for, for for each other, and and that's what we're looking for. And I think that's a great representation of what you want, um, you know, and what this city would want for the team that's representing them. And and we'll see if we can make it come to life on Sunday at three thirty. Hey, coach! Congratulations on making it back to the Super Bowl. Um, if you guys happen to win, you would uh, surpass Mike Tomlin as the youngest coach to win a Super Bowl. Uh, what have your interactions been with him uh, as you're, you know, during your time as a head coach and? What are some things from afar that you've seen that that may have contributed to Coach Tomlin being able to sustain that level of success that he's had since winning his Super Bowl? Yeah, Mike is uh, one of the more impressive people I've ever met. He's been great to me. Uh, I couldn't be more grateful, really. I, I got a chance to get to know him a little bit a few years ago through Raheem Morris. You know, he and Raheem are really close. Um, and then at different functions when you become a head coach and you have that interaction. But I think one of the things that's been great about Mike is he's so willing to share um, you know, really kind of put your, put his arm around you and really help kind of, you know, be a mentor and answer any questions that you have. But his leadership, his command, his mental toughness, how that really relates to the way that his teams play, the way they respond from the good and the bad. I think he's one of the best leaders that this sport has to offer, really sports in general. Um, I'm so impressed. You know, anytime that you're in a room with Mike Tomlin, you always know that he is in that room. All right, that was Los Angeles Rams coach Sean McVay at Super Bowl opening night. Again, the the Cincinnati Bengals have arrived. They have just landed in Los Angeles. We are... It really does feel, folks, like a normal Super Bowl week. The Bengals are in town. The Rams, of course, are in town. Uh, I wasn't sure this would happen a month ago in Los Angeles. A regular normal feeling Super Bowl week, but it's here. And and it's so exciting that this game is back in Los Angeles for the first time in 30 years. And the Rams are one win away from being the first Los Angeles team to win the Super Bowl in 40 years. And we'll be there to track it for you. That's all the time we have for today. But let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.